Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. How's it going, everybody? Thank you for joining us again for another fine episode of the Knife Talk podcast. This is where we talk knives, we answer questions, we do deep dives on difficult situations. I'm M. Sleazy. I'm here with G. Weezy. And, of course, as always, or almost always, Mr. C. Deezy. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Sound like a really bad rapper from the 90s. Um, <laughs> You're wearing boys. your big clock right now, right? <laughs> well, yeah. a clock. Some say it's a clock. Um, <laughs> first of all, apologies for last week. I couldn't make it. The internet just went, just died completely uh, for two days uh, for the whole village here. So, yeah, it was like being back in pre-war times but um it was a good show i did listen well done guys very nice we tried it wasn't the same <laughs> without it's you not the we same. Had to, like, it's never the same it's never the same we needed we needed we we were there was a little sound of exasperation which is fine i don't mind that but <laughs> you were definitely missed so how how was your weeks uh Morocco, what, what went on i just did a recap with my wife about the week actually um let's see i made a kirdashi I did a lot of cleanup. I got rid of three, like, yard waste size giant black garbage bags full of belts. Oh, three wow. of them. Whoa, I've just been sitting. Yeah, it was a, my shop's been kind of a shithole. So I've been trying to work to clean it up. Um, got the grinding room. Grinding room's looking pretty dang good. I got my disc grinder uh, kind of set up and ready to operate, or actually used it for the first time in like three years. Um, and yeah, I'm, things are going come along good. Those little Santokus are looking good and hand sanded and I did some forging yesterday. Um, just been kind of, I, this, the focus of this week has really been about cleaning up. Like I said, I mm. think last week we got water. Um, I got plumbing into the shop for some water. Um, and then I set up, <laughs> I got a, uh, a hairdresser sink 
that was a free sink given to me and and so i got that set up but the way those hairdresser sinks are set up for like if they shampoo your hair or whatever before mm-hmm. they give you a haircut oh, yeah. you know the real fancy style um the 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 water it's, nozzles it's, this is just for when neil comes to your shop really isn't it it's when neil yeah, comes so you both do your hair together <laughs> right exactly uh <laughs> i turned on the water in the in the nozzles pointed up instead of down into the sink and uh it sprayed all over me it's pretty funny um <laughs> But yeah, things are coming along, moving things around, getting things probably better organized. Also, getting ready for some sheetrocking, hopefully to be happening in here in the next few weeks. Um, and that was also another instigator for getting things cleaned up. So, cool. getting some knife work done, but mostly been doing some uh, just tidying things up. Oh, yeah. actually, I do want to say a couple points to talk about. I, I need to make, make contact on. Um, we are doing the calendar. The Artisans of Steel calendar again this year. We just, um, in the last week or two, have decided that that we're going to be going that direction. This year's focus is going to be modes or like Damascus patterns. So it's going to be like mm. magicians of Damascus or mos- mosaic patterns or whatever you want. I haven't figured out cool. the exact title, but anyways, uh, you know, we're going to fill try to fill up the year with beautiful Damascus patterns that inspire you to do great work. Um, things are coming along too with my apron that I uh, I feel like th- I talked to you guys about that before, right? Yeah, the apron um, you're designing. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so we're getting closer. We're shooting for mid November, I think, to start really like pumping that out and getting that out. And it's a good time of the year too, I think, for when people are, you know, looking to spend some money, do some shopping yes, for yeah. their loved ones or themselves. Um, yeah, but other than those things, doing good. Nice. Nice. And look, yeah. if if the knife work dries up, you can always do, you know, do cuts on the weekend and, you know, some perms exactly. and some dyes. Nice. Right. Nice. I already, I've been doing right some shear sharpening for uh, hairdressers. <laughs> oh, yeah. in. I'm working my way in. I'm edging my way in. <laughs> nice. Uh, Jeff, your week, your week, what's been going on? I'm tired. I'm tired. I've been pushing myself harder and harder. But last weekend, I had a wonderful experience. I taught a class at Dragon's Breath Forge. And mm. most of the listeners of our show were there. We had Camacho, Zach Camacho, Camacho Knives. Most Black of the Cl- listeners. <laughs> I mean, I mean, all the listen, all everybody. the people who were at the class listened to the podcast. Were so listeners, Black, right, yeah. Black Cat Blades, Judson Weta, uh, Main Blade Works. Dan O'Brien Knives and Kyle Heath. They we, they were all there. Um, I'm amazed at what Matt Parkinson and Matt Barry and um, Jamie, Jamie Lundell have done. They built this beautiful shop. They painted it white. They had a graffiti artist come in and do some, like, little splashes of flame. It looks amazing. The light in there is amazing. He did a, they did a great job, and it was a lot of fun. And Matt's a, just a, such a talented smith, and it was great talking to him. And it was great, you know, teaching classes and getting into it. And uh, we had a good time. It was a good time, and they invited me back. And, and Matt gave me this really nice gift. He gave me this Damascus uh, measuring a stick, like a little ruler. A ruler? It's, it was really, really nice. And he was – what's so funny? You call Did it a, a Damascus measuring stick. I couldn't fit. Dude, I said I'm tired. I said I'm tired. A ruler. A ruler. I, a ruler. I wasn't. I'm not as. Uh, you know. I saw that. It I'm was not, good. I, I'm doing the best I can here. Sometimes you gotta like you know Porky Pig it up and come up with a different word. So, 
it was it was great. It was great. It was really fun seeing you know guys who had no excuse. Like Kyle Heath did an awesome job. I've never picked up a hammer before. And then guys like Zach Camacho, who I had to keep up with. I had to teach the class and keep up with him. He was doing an amazing job. So it was a lot of fun. Everyone got out with a pair of tongs, and a, and then after we made the tongs, they all made bottle openers with the tongs they made. So that was really cool. And I've been uh, I've been hustling. I'm trying to get uh, I'm trying to get ahead. Uh, we have all these. We're having all these business meetings, which is a lot of fun. And uh, well, fun. It's good. It makes it. It keeps me. You know, it keeps me honest. And you know, I'm getting like. So how are we doing with these? I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with these. And I'm I'm ahead really, which is nice. So mm. I can get some knives done for December first. I'm gonna have uh, some knives done for December first, ready to go. And we're gonna kind of make a big thing about it. But then I got uh, last week while we were uh, podcasting, I got this message from this guy I know who is an uh, editor at a few uh, magazines and he wanted me to write a little piece up for Esquire magazine just a little tiny blurb and I and that not, I I, let, I was I read it to Morocco on the podcast and then I got home and I thought I better write this up now and I wrote up this like you know this little blurb and he sent me this message back it's great and you you it was a re, really like it and it it'll be in that it'll be in some episode of I mean some issue of Esquire magazine and I said to him like look if you ever need someone to do an, a piece I'd love to write a piece I'd love hmm. to write a piece about anything and we talked for a while and he says he's going to pitch it for to a couple magazines and we'll say maybe I'll write a little you know piece about you, you know Wow, I mean, look, you got to fucking... for that blue check. I know it. That's what. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> he wants the press. He needs this blue check. Yeah. It fucking got, it did cross my mind. It did cross my mind. You fucking guys are fucking on me. But it was at the time. You know, I went to a, I went to a, a my college was like a like an English major college. So all my roommates were English majors, and all my friends were English majors, and I really kind of enjoyed writing while I was in college, and I do like writing, and, and it would be a great opportunity, and I thought, what the fuck? Um, so we'll see, but I mean, like, you know, all these things, you know, it's interesting, because we, we, we tell these stories of what's going on in their lives, and, you know, a couple months ago, I was talking about how I might do this thing with Epicurious. Well, that thing fucking dried up. You know, they, they you know, like all these, you know, when you hear stories of what I might do or I might not do, sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't, and you just got to swing at pitches. So, you know, swinging at pitches, and well, I'm looking forward to it. I, I wouldn't mind doing a little piece, and we'll see. We'll see. Nice. But this fucking thing in Esquire is going to happen. Cool. I think. I hope. And um, what's, what's the sort of theme of what you're writing about? What's... They wanted 200 of the best sandwiches. And they wanted people that they liked or knew or, you know, not just cooks to write up what their favorite sandwich was or what one of the best American sandwiches was. So I wrote a whole big thing about the bacon, egg, and cheese. And it's like nice. how it really needs to be a New York sandwich and bodega style and the ordering and the nuances of it all. So it was mm. good. They liked it. Cool. Cool. Nice. Uh, <sighs> how are you? Um, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, I haven't had the greatest of weeks, but, you know, Better than Alec Baldwin's week, I'd imagine. So I can't Fuck really complain. <laughs> Save that for the after show. I want to do the whole. Wow. I could do Alec Baldwin talk oh all fucking God. day. <laughs> Crazy times. Um, but I, I talked briefly. It was it would have been two weeks ago now because um, I wasn't on the show last week. About uh, we did a time audit. But you know the time I have available um, and what I'm doing with it. 
and basically changed changed a bunch of things. So we, we've got somebody to help me out with um, like admin and the shipping, all the shit bits that I really hate doing that really bog me down. Mm. Um, and you know, you know, dividing the time, you know, who takes the kids to school and all that kind of thing. So you know, was, we were on track. So this week, I was on track for four days in the you know four full days in the shop, which is unheard of for me. Um, turned out I had two. <laughs> Um, we, I spent all day today in the hospital with my wife. Um, coming straight from the hospital, we then had to take the kids to the doctors. And it's just been, life has just been getting on top of us, you know, massively. And it's just like, oh, man. So, so yeah, so it's been, it's been one of those weeks. But um, it was good. I had How's a very... Sorry. Oh, sorry. I just, just so that you don't get barrage of DMs, is everyone okay? Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. My, right. uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the problem with my wife, it's 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 all sorted. It's um yeah, it was pregnancy related, but it, it's all good. There's no bad news, it's all good. Um and the kids, they've just got ear infections, eye infections, again, oh. shit, piss, mucus all over the house. It's Jesus. the worst. It's the worst you can imagine. Um so yeah, so yeah, that was all of today taken up, which should have been my day in the shop. Um we've got somebody helping out with um ship in and admin that kind of thing the, the local girl sarah she was meant to be coming today for the first day but also i couldn't be here so she's been twiddling the thumbs all day here and it's just like, ugh, ugh. but we are flying out to the uk tomorrow um for a week which we, we've had a plan for a while so that's gonna be a welcome break to be honest with you um having people around to help us out a bit you know with with the kids and that, and that. so yeah it's all sure. good but yeah, the, the, the couple of days I did have in the shop were very productive, actually. Um, come up with a, a few different things that I'll be, be doing within the next few months. Um, and one starting in two weeks' time. So um, looking at the sort of stock that I've always got available, and, you know, I've talked about this. I generally have products. So, you know, at the moment, you know, the folder is the sort of the new product. And there's, you know, the camp knife and the chef knife and all these different things. Um, but they're all part of, you know, none of them are one-offs. And, you know, we we always talk about, you know, trying to get away from, you know, one-off orders because they're not, you know, the, they can take a lot of time. But they're the fun things as well, aren't they, really? You know, they're the when you can be creative. So I'm going to be doing a one a week, one-off a week, and it's going to be called a one-off Wednesday. So on a Wednesday, it'll be a knife, which is a complete one-off, and it could be just a different handle material or even a different etching on it or something, you know. So, um, mm. so I'm going to start that nice. in two weeks' time, um, the one-off Wednesdays. Um, and also working towards a big drop, um, probably at the end of the first week of December um, of Chef Knives as well. So, so yeah, plans, plans ahead, um, which is good. So, yeah, the time audit was um, a very good thing to do. <laughs> Unfortunately, I couldn't keep to it. But, you know, it's it steps in the right direction. So, yeah, if anybody's struggling for time, maybe look at a time audit and see, you know, what you're spending your time on, what's needed and what isn't. Um, and social media was a massive sort of one for me, you know, to spend far less time on it and that kind of thing. Um, and I'm keeping to that, and it seems to be doing really well. So, so yeah, it's been um, a funny old week. Started off so positively, and throughout the week, life just sucked me down. <laughs> Until, you know, this time, which is 9pm on a Friday, and I've got a big glass of wine in front of me, and I'm looking forward to jumping onto a plane tomorrow. You know, and that's how bad this week got. But, uh, wow. Yeah. But no, what are you going to do when you're, when you're gonna do when you're in the UK? Um, eat, eat, eat. 
I can tell you exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a lamb gel phrasing. I'm going to do a chicken passanda. I'm going to do a chicken passamba. What the hell is that? Passanda. Oh, that, that, that. Yeah, it's 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 Indian food. Indian food. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to most about going to the UK. Having a good. Mm. <laughs> I say Indian. It's a British version right. of Indian food. You know, which which I love. So. So yes, um, no, and we're you know we're spending time with family, and um, my wife's got a meeting in London as well. So we thought, well, let's make, take this opportunity. We, we won't be going back again before Christmas um, to see everybody. So yes, that's the plan. Um, and by the looks of things, you know, it, it's a chance that bloody UK could be in lockdown over Christmas anyway. So yeah, make taking that opportunity now before things get a bit too crazy. Speaking of speaking of lockdown, I'm starting to notice with some of my suppliers supply chain slowdowns mm, my I, steel supplier i just ordered who i order i mean i'm gonna be good until whatever but one of my steel suppliers i ordered what i normal order and what i would normally get within seven days i'm not going to get till mid-december yeah it's probably Holy due to shipping on their side as uh, well then no, getting, it's about getting the, stuff it's, in it isn't the sh- well maybe it is the shipping but it's from the mill Mm, all right. It's the guy from the mill. So I was talking to them for a while, and they're like, "Yeah, this isn't something we normally deal with, but like mm. something that they, you know." I'm, I'm gonna. Luckily enough, I, I have, I'm in good shape until mid December. But like, if this, if I wasn't, I don't know what you, you know. You gotta like scratch mm. around. You could find a, find a couple of train spikes in, yeah. in the ground. A couple of saw blades. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's an issue. I, I mean, I'm, I know you were mentioning uh, not too long ago that there's going to be there's real problems in the UK in terms of the trucking. Yes, yes. So I, I haven't really revisited that to be honest. So I don't know how things are, but I know that um, you know international shipping is still a big, big pro- has been for years now, a couple of years anyway. Right. Um, but yeah, they were talking about you know shoot, food shortages over Christmas, that kind of thing, right. and I think that's still still you know a possibility still happening. I don't know. I'll see more next. I mean. I'm reading like everybody else in the press, you know, and I don't believe half the shit I read, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, you believe the Alec Baldwin shit, though, right? Uh, well, well, yeah, the fun stuff, I believe. <laughs> no, I, that's terrible. It's not fun. It's not fun. Terrible it's fun. We're going to save it for but... the after show. We're going to yes. tease Alec Baldwin until the after show. I fucking yeah. love Alec Baldwin. Talking. Hey, Eric. Hey, Eric. <laughs> oh, Team America. That makes me laugh. Anyway, let's tell you about something. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. Well, don't really. Go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat, because then you'll still get an even heat, but you'll get $75 off and free shipping in the U.S., because that'll take you straight to Soul Ceramics, who are a distributor of even heat ovens, um, and you can get those discounts automatically applied. So just go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat, or via the link in the description. I'll take you straight there. Okay, shall we do a few questions? Sure. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? The first one is from Nick, I think it's McCurico, um, I think. Um, Hello, I love the show. You have a fun combination of personalities. I'm sure you get flooded with DMs, but I have a few questions. As someone new but, but all in on this hobby, what's a good price per pound to pay for an anvil? And what should I negotiate for in 2021 as a p- per pound price, preferably in dollars? Mm. So is that how anvils are being sold by, by weight? Because surely condition would be a, a big factor. But if it, is it just weight? You are. Uh, that's a good. Ast- you're very astute. 
It's you're very He's astute a professional because blacksmith. there's bladesmith. Well, you go yeah, ahead. So, you, I've been on a course, you, you know. I know. <laughs> well, you, that's why. I mean, obviously, you know, you know what you're talking about. I mean, you're like, <laughs> I should be bowing down. Yeah, you should be answering the question, honestly. Um, <laughs> Mareka, what what's your thoughts on <laughs> Anvil pricing? I honestly don't know much about Anvil pricing, so I'm going to kick it back to Jeff. There, there's a number of things. This is one of the most annoying things to me right now. You used to be able to judge. You used to be able to judge per pound. The problem is there's a few problems. One is there are certain people who are anvil collectors who will know if a particular style of anvil or weight or size is rare. So that can change the price of an anvil. The other thing is, is like some people say, oh, well, this should be $5 a pound, or this should be $6 a pound, or this should be $4 a pound. When I bought my first anvil, I kind of judged it based on the price. I got a good deal from He was a friend of mine. I'm, I'm, I bought anvils from friends of mine, and usually I'll get a price that I'm, I'm kind of happy with. I've seen anvils sold by people who are not blacksmiths, and they're charging $6 a pound, $7 a pound, for anvils that, that are very, very unusable. Now, for a bladesmith, it's completely different because maybe a bladesmith doesn't need a corner. Maybe you need a good edge for, you know, forging down the ricasso or the bolster or something like that. But, you know, truly for a bladesmith, you might not really look at the whole thing. I mean, maybe you want a, you know, a little bit of horn, but you don't need a very, you know, a, a sharp point for the horn. Maybe you just need it just to fuller a little bit. But I think that it's a huge mistake because what's happening is, and I talked to Jesse Savage, who's my anvil, you know, historian. Anytime I see one for a price, I'll see what he says, and he usually has a very good, fair idea. Another person who I look to is Chris Cash in terms of fairness of price. Um, I think that my friend Alex uh, Andrew Alexander, Blacksmith Tools, who I love, I love him. I think he's given some people the wrong. I think he's given people carte blanche to charge crazy numbers. Who I've never been blacksmith before, so I've seen anvils where the corners are fucked up. There's giant dimples in them in the face. There's tons of sway. The maybe there's big hunks out of it, and it's just like, and then they're going to charge me top dollar, and that's fucking terrible. I think that if you're going to buy an anvil, you should understand what you're going to use an anvil for. I would suggest, and I was talking to Kyle Heath, who did an awesome job at the blacksmith uh, class. He never did it before. He, he did try to bait. I... He did try to bait me with a picture. Saying, he did over try to, to over you. to you. He said he, he did try. He took a picture of the 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 bottle opener I made, the bottle opener Mareko made, and then the one he oh, made, yeah. and then he says, where's my bottle opener, Craig? So I'm going to 3D print him one. <laughs> he should 3D print him one. But he I said to me, he's like, well, what would you buy first? And I said, I would just keep taking classes. Because a lot, and I think that the guys who are bladesmiths and knife makers taking the blacksmith class got a lot out of it because they're using the anvil differently than they would normally. Once you understand what you're looking for, then instead, when you see a price and the guy says, uh, this is 135 pounds, 135 pounds of charge you $6 a pound, you're like, 600 what? Fuck you. I'm like, what are you? And then you can turn back and say, what am I supposed to do with this corner? What am I supposed to do with this corner? What am I supposed to do with this edge? I have to reface the, the corners. I have to dress everything. This is bullshit. I can't do anything with this. And then maybe you can negotiate down. I personally like, four, I like $4 a pound in general. But then I also like to be able to 
be able to look at the anvil, point out the problems that you're going to have to fix, and say, why should I pay top dollar if this thing is whatever? Yeah. Or you say, I want to see you make a pair of tongs on this anvil. Go find me. Like at uh, Matt, Matt uh, Parkinson's place, there was one anvil that was just like, I had to look hard to find a place where I could, you know, do a specific incision because it was like, you know, the corners that get chewed up by students or whatever. So just be... The best thing you can do is learn how to become a blacksmith, take classes, and then understand what you need for your anvil. If you're a bladesmith, you might not give a shit about the corners, you know? Mm. But I it, think it's, it annoys it's, the shit out of me. I'd imagine it's a seller's market because, you know, it's becoming more and more popular, uh, blacksmithing or knife making, whatever, you know, wherever you want to call it, um, you know, due to, you know, TV shows and all the rest of it. So well, I'd imagine that they're getting snapped up pretty quickly, which is why the prices are, you know, holding good values. It is a seller's market unless the buyer is very educated. I, I might mm. have told this story. I might have told this story a couple months ago. A friend of mine who I hadn't spoken to in a while offered to sell me a blacksmith vice, he said, and it was just a shitty post vice. Oh, yes, Do you remember yeah. that story? Yes. And oh, I explained yeah. <laughs> why I'd give him like 150 bucks, and he was he was insulted, blah, 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 blah. And then he came back a week, uh, you know, a week later. He says, "Hey, you know, uh, after a while, I thought maybe if you still want the advice, I'll give it to you for the price you said." And I said, like, "Yeah, I don't want it anymore." I did it to an anvil guy too, <laughs> anvil friend of mine too. Actually, I was <laughs> I was beating the shit out of him at at an event, and Chris Cash was there, and Chris Cash said, "You're going to charge Fader this price. You got to give him a better price." And then. Chris Cash started beating the living shit out of this guy. And then the guy says, okay, I'll give it to you for this lesser price. I said, I don't want it anymore. But I think the most important thing is to get people want good anvils. Then you're going to pay top dollar. If you want to be cheap. I mean, I, if I had the money, I would probably buy a new anvil. Like I would, if I had the money, I would buy like a Nimba or I get one of Alex got some nice anvils or I get one of those Holland anvils or Texas Ferrier Supply has some NC. I'd get a new anvil and just be like, let me fuck this one up by myself. I don't need to get ripped off by someone else. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. See, around here, they are, I, w I wouldn't say two a penny, but there's a lot. If you look, you know, local sort of Facebook marketplace, there's so many anvils because right. everybody's got, you know, every, within the country, everybody's got big old barns and, you know, they probably right. had a couple of anvils there to, you know, to fix up some stuff back in the day and they're all selling up. They're, I could probably pick up a dozen within 30 miles of here and not pay more than 250 euros each quite easily. Sounds you know? like a wow. business opportunity, Craig. You try it shipping is? one of those things. Well, <laughs> I mean, no, just... that's that's the biggest issue. That's the biggest issue with buying new anvils is the fact that you're gonna have to pay for shipping. Yeah, it's it's like their the shipping is very expensive. I it it's 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 anno it's a it's really annoying, and it is annoying that Forge and Fire drove the prices up, and the fact that people don't understand drove the prices up, and people accept it and drive the prices up. Hmm. But it's like there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Yeah. But the best thing you could do is try to stumble on one. Like I stumbled on this Peter Wright that when, the, when I thought it was, I gave him a price. Oh, I yeah. gave him a really inexpensive price, and I walked in. I was like, "Whoa, you took some shitty pictures. I'm I'm about to rob you." And it was like a robbery because it was like it was in pretty good shape. I would still have to do a lot of work on it, but you know, for the price, it was it was really good. But yeah. that's the best thing you can do is try to find someone who's fair too, and don't DM me pictures of what do I think because I get that a lot, <laughs> and it's just like I'm not a good judge. I am notoriously cheap, but there are people out there who you know, Chris Cash, Jesse Savage. You know, if you're friendly with them, maybe they'll help you out in terms of 
pricing and stuff sure. like that. Jesse's really good with pricing with me. I always go to him first. He always gives me this ridiculous lowball price that I know I'm going to get my teeth kicked in when I say it, but it always usually works. Uh, well, you mentioned New Anvils and you mentioned Texas Farrier Supply. Um, so we have a discount code, actually. So if you are looking for a new anvil, go take a look at what they've got, TexasFarriersupply.com. Um, they sell all sorts of stuff for, for farriers, for knife makers, um, including Rhino Wet, which is the best sandpaper you could possibly buy. They stock that as well. So go take a look, TexasFarriersupply.com. And if you use Knife Talk 10, you're going to get 10% off. So we can save you a bit of money. Okay, shall we move on? Uh, Mareko, do you want to take the next question? Yeah, this next one is from Steve Ellis. He says, question, I, I recently ordered the Broadbeck Mareko Platinum and can't wait to get it. My question is, is the 4-inch contact wheel big enough for hollow grinds? If so, should I, uh, should I heat treat at full thickness or plan on doing a hollow? Oh, sorry. If I plan on doing a hollow grind, uh, I'm obvious... I'm obviously not, sorry, geez. I've obviously not done one yet. Thank you and love the show. Um, So I would say that the four inch is definitely um, good for a hollow grind. It it is kind of on the smaller side. And and so the blade would probably narrow, be either like narrow from tip, or sorry, from edge to spine. Um, or, or just the hollow just wouldn't go up very high on the blade. Um, though I don't think that would be ideally effective. I think with the, oh, wait, I I was going to say with the broadback setup, but he's just getting the platen. Um, I, I, I love using that four inch contact wheel for hollowing out like the, the full tang. Um, when I'm doing a full tang knife. You could probably get in there and do some fullering on a blade with the four-inch wheel, though I think most people use two inches. Um, I mean, again, you can do the four-inch hollow grind, but it's probably it's probably most ideal for a, a narrow blade. Hmm. What do you guys got? Anything on hollow grinding? I don't sure. do any, but yeah, I think you're right. If you're doing something like a you know a really thin chef knife with you know the two-inch heel on it, you know a four-inch contact wheel it probably isn't ideal for that but if you're doing it you know no. it's a smaller a smaller knife which is a bit stouter and a thicker uh, it would probably do probably do, do the job yeah yeah anything jeff about hollow grinds nothing other than the fact that i love what guys like nick rossi are doing with those like double ho- double hollow grinds what noah vashon is doing with his diamond grinds uh, sometimes you see these guys. I, th- I think I think I'm pretty sure it was Nick who did a, I think it was a Deba or something like that, and it had two hollows, one on top of the other, and it looks fucking cool, you know. So I don't know. I don't know any. I don't know enough about it. All I know is I suck at it, so I don't really, I don't really do it, and I have really no real use to do it. Um, I guess he another part of his question was, uh, should he heat treat at full thickness? Um. In my experience, whenever I've done a hollow grind, I actually start with a flat grind to kind of establish where the bevel is going to be at, and then I follow that with the hollow grind. Huh. And so I, I guess it comes down to how you're quenching. If you're doing plate quenching, then you probably want to heat treat full thickness. But if you're oil quenching, then then I would do some sort of a flat grind. Um, and then follow that with the hollow grinding. But you could also do the hollow grinding from full thickness. It's just going to take longer, but you're going to want some nice sharp 
aggressive belts to get through that material, which we can help you with. Um, yeah. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We're running through them ads. We're we're missing that one last week. <laughs> Tearing them up. Tearing them up. Do you want to take Next another one? I'm going to throw it to Brian. Yeah. Speaking of Brian, shout out to their podcast. Work for it. I'm enjoying it still. They're doing a great job. Shout out to B-Cone Knives, Brian, and Ben. I'm with you. Uh, well, we can do we can do questions. I also have dilemmas, guys. So don't you know? Don't just tell whatever you want to do. Um, uh, sh- should we do another a couple, just a couple of questions? Um, we we can draw a line under them, then and move on to more fun stuff. Okay, this one comes from uh, Aiden over at uh, Cutthroat Australia, Cutthroat Blades. Uh, hey man, can I ask you a question? Is there a custom tool or a custom machine that you've seen in someone else's shop that you want? Something that can't be store bought but has been custom made. Fucking good question, Aiden. Mm. I have I read that only. I know exactly what I want. That's a good one. Um, I'd go with anything in Aaron Goff's shop um, because he custom makes a lot of his own machinery there. Um, but I know even even you know the, the CNCs that he's got, he's done a lot of custom stuff to them as well. And his setup is is just incredible, you know. And um, yeah, massive sort of envy when I see his videos and see the kind of stuff he's got going on there. Um, but yeah, that's a re- that's a really good question. Give more thought. Hmm. What do you think, Morocco? And yeah. any sort of Machine custom, envy, yeah. Custom machines. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, mm. But I also haven't really spent a lot of time in other people's shops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar with me. Oh, actually, you know what? I know exactly what it is. A rolling mill. I was. A, I knew it. Oh. I wish I could let me guess what you were going to say. I knew exactly. Okay. I knew it. Yeah, I. I'm hoping somebody will figure out rolling mills. Um, maybe that's a, a, something for, 
you know, like coal iron works or something. But, um, yeah, there is this guy who made these amazing rolling mills, but he's only made a handful of them, like four or five of them, maybe six. And uh, they have forward reverse, and then they have a twisting jig set up on the outside for twisting Damascus. Um, it's a really smart design. It's hydraulically driven. Um, it's it's freaking rad. And but there's like hardly any of those things. And I and if I if I were to get a rolling mill, and it's like a ten thousand dollar, twelve thousand dollar machine, but I would love to get one of those. Yeah. That is exactly it, a rolling mill. It's funny that you mentioned that because I talked to Cliff Dufton and I said, you need to start making rolling mills. And the first Dude, thing he says, why? Rolling I don't mills. make that. He's like, I don't make fucking knives. I was like, all right, well, fine, Cliff. <laughs> Jeez. My answer. Oh, and by the way, I saw the last time I saw, well, the first and last time I saw a rolling mill was at Greg's Sim Shop. I think I was with you. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, he's got it. He, for San Mai, I mean, I would imagine it's like, the best Dude, move of all time. Blasting so, so out Sandmai all day. Would this work like a like a pneumatic press? Then is it? Is, it's got that same sort of action. It's just it's just pushing things together as opposed to like no. a, like a power. It's like okay. A, it's like a pasta machine. It like squirts yeah. out. It rolls out the dough. Yeah, I sort of, I sort of see I see that. That's what I mean. But that, but that's what it's doing. It's pushing things together as opposed right. to smashing them together. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it's okay. putting an incredible amount of force because the rolling dies are around. You, you're mm. focusing that force in a very narrow area, mm. um, so you can get a tremendous amount of contact and and work done um, in you know just a few rolls. Um, yeah, I would. I, w- I wish I had a rolling mill. But they, they look, also... look out for the Morocco uh, broadback yeah. uh, broadback <laughs> combo coming up. Uh, you can talk to mother massage bear table no. rolling mill. No, yeah. Oh yeah, the Deathbed 2000 <laughs> with the rolling mill, awesome. with a bottle opener on the end. God obviously. damn yeah. right, God damn right, <laughs> God damn right, God damn right. I, I mean, I read this and I immediately said, I, I want want to. I'm supposed to get. I know John listens to this. Cliff and John said that I was going to be able to store their 16 ton press. I have. Ooh, I love. That is and a you've nice seen machine. Them. You've that is seen a nice them. machine, dude. I have seen beautiful presses the coal ironworks guys make beautiful presses but when you see one made from john and cliff it's a different ball game the welds are just i mean it's it's just unreal and i've used them and i love them and i would love i would i'm waiting for that truck to show up john i'm waiting for that i'm waiting for that (laughs) i'm waiting for that trailer to show up with that 16 ton press i'm I'm ready for it john and all the tooling that they make it's like i mean i don't i I mean would have to justify i'm using it i would in the next zoom meeting i would say oh yeah we're gonna be doing more press work here and they're gonna be what so but yeah anything cliff and john make i love i love their hammers I love their tooling. I have hammered uh, tooling from them. I have tongs from them. I have grinder. Uh, anything John and Cliff make, I love. I'll take all of it. Didn't, I would love didn't it when Cliff they start make making you power hammers. Cliff made a beautiful grinder, and it's like tiny and it's beautiful. Cliff is a goddamn genius. Cliff is one of these guys who I'm. I have no problem saying I've met fabricators, I've met blacksmiths, toolmakers, welders. The whole, in terms of the whole gamut, the whole gamut, I don't think, I think that he is in a very, a very, uh, he's at the top of the game. I don't, I, 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 you'd be hard to find someone as well rounded as Cliff Dufton. 
He's, hard to find. He's an I, insanely talented, and he's a fucking genius. <laughs> buck top of thirty, being, buck thirty yeah. too, soaking wet. Buck thirty. He's hot. He little, <laughs> little guy, <laughs> little guy. But awesome, awesome. Cliff Dufton, John Ariani. There's, there's. I mean, you can't find two more fun people to be with. But that's right. what I would get. Good question from Aiden at Cutthroat, um, Cutthroat Australia. And we actually spoke to Aiden, didn't we, at the last Dharma Steel Chef Invitational. Um, we had a really good time. And we're doing it again. So we're doing a live show at the next Dharma Steel Chef Invitational, which is November, I believe, the – let me just check – November 13th. Um, and you can actually get your tickets now already. Um, so we'll put a link down in the description. But if you go to dharmasteel.se, um, you, you'll see it advertised there. But we'll actually put a link in the description as well. It's just a really fun time. Great makers selling great, great knives. I mean, we've already—I mean, we just mentioned uh, Aiden from Cutthroat, um, Matt Parkinson. We mentioned earlier from uh, Dragons, uh, Dragon's Breath Forge, and I'm just looking at the list here of all the people. Fingal, Quinton, Mert, Tanzu. Quinton. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some great, great makers, and we'll be we speaking to them all. Um, but make sure you register for that event because you'll be able to see their beautiful knives that they're selling. And you know, who doesn't want to see some great, great knives made of Dharma steel? And if you want to make some, you can also use Knife Talk um, as a promo code um, if you register at Dharma Steel, and you'll get 10% off buying your own Dharma Steel too. So, so why wouldn't you? So look down in the description here, click the link, register for the event, um, and we shall see you there, and we'll have a good time. And the tickets are free. Oh, yes, free. The yeah, tickets are to free. free. And yes. you'll be able to watch us live. You'll be able to interact. And it was definitely one of our best shows last year. And all the guys had a good time. And I'm sure Fingal's going to sell out immediately. And he's going to be drunk. And he'll be funny, too. Yeah. And we're going to have freaking lasers, too. So, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's yeah. worth tuning in. That's all I'm Fuck saying. <laughs> um, let's do another question from Neil Den Blurker. Um, I am waiting for my new Evenheat LB18 and have several blades ready for heat treat. And he's wondering, how do you cool the oil between blades when you heat treat a batch? Do you have to worry about the extended soak time from the first blade to the last? Um, I'm a hobby maker and really enjoy the podcast. The tips and tricks have helped a great deal. Thank you. And that was Neil uh, Den Blaker. I, I believe it's Blaker or Bleaker. Um, so, yeah, multiple batches that you're quenching in oils. Um, what do you guys do when you're doing a bunch of knives? I mean, for me... I, I... I've gotten away from batch heat treating, but mm. um, I God, there's not a lot you can do. I think what was it when I worked for Bob Kramer, we actually hooked up like <clears throat> an oil cooler um, that cycled the oil out of 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 uh, the vat or whatever you wow. you know the tank and mm. cooled it through what looked like a radiator basically, um, but it was designed to like cool the oil. Um, mm. Other than that, like the temp temperature comes down, but it takes it takes a lot of time because it's such the oil holds the 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 warmth so well, yeah, yeah. especially if like my my vat or my quench tank. I don't know why I keep calling a vat, but anyways, um, my quench tank. Uh, I think there's like, like one and a half gallons in the tube, and um, it it takes a long time for it to cool down. I have large cross sections of of steel that I I can put in there. Um, but even though like those pick up the heat really quick and then I don't know, like there's not much to do other than maybe like point a fan at your oil tank to try to help let it cool off. But 
I mean, you could do the opposite of when you're time them out when you're heating the oil. I mean, what I do to heat the oil because obviously you don't you know you, you want a certain temperature anyway. You don't want it to be cold oil. Sure. Um, so I'll generally put something in the in the kiln first, then put it in and get you know a decent temperature that way. But you could do the opposite. So have a bunch of steel and just keep them in the freezer and then dump them in if you're doing a lot. Hmm. Um, but I mean, you you don't say how many in your batch. I mean, I generally do batches. Um, normally six blades. I mean, eight at a push. Um, but I have three tanks now, um, and oil is is it's not that expensive. So if you're going to be doing batches, you know, in, for the long term, you know, get a bunch of tanks. It's you know, it's not that expensive, and the ones I've got they can sort of stack on top of each other anyway, so they're not taking up much room. Um, but yeah, good. other than that, if you are stuck with one tank and not that much oil, um, any scrap steel that you have, keep it in the freezer, and you know, in between, dunk them in and take some of that heat back out. It's a very good question because it is something to worry about. You really want to be working within the, you know, temperature confines of the um, the oil. Mm. Yeah, and when you say that, and we were talking about containers, I mean, you really only need like I have some four by four tubing that I welded plates to, and yeah. you're not putting a whole gallon in there, you know. So you can make. I mean, it's only, I only need it to be twenty inches long to make sure a fifteen inch blade is goes all the way in. I don't even need that much. So. You should try try to. I try. I I was very conscious of it when I was heat treating. Uh, number. I was very conscious of how hot the oil was, and I was. I w- I only like to heat treat, like four four knives per session because I do sure. worry that like the first one gets a different heat treatment than the last one. I mm. I, I mean I might be crazy, but I mean obviously no, if you open the door fast and close it. It's something to think about, and I try to, like, I want to make sure, I don't want to be rushing the heat treatment either. Like, if you have a pile of them in there, you mm. don't want to be in a panicked state. Like, when I say panic state, like, rushing around, and you don't want to, I, I, I tend to think it's not worth pushing as many. And same thing with the plates. Like, the plates get hot. Like, you got to figure out a way to kind of cool the plates down if you're doing more than four. four. So I get multiple plates, multiple. I, I try to space out the way I do the heat treatment, too, so... Like, I can do a couple of one. If I have four of them, I might do two in the morning and two in the afternoon because I know I'm not going to get to them anyway that day. So yeah. I try to like space it out to make sure that I'm optimizing the oil and I'm optimizing the heat and I'm not jamming up the the oven. But at the same time, like I never heat treat one knife. Like I've always have at least three. Sure. But it's a good question. I was going to tell you guys, have you seen Liam Hoffman, who makes these, I mean, just amazing, amazing axes. He was doing, he had built this agitator in a giant vat of oil. And the agitator is so he doesn't have to sh- agitate the, the axe when he's going in and out because he doesn't have a vapor jacket. When, the, when the, there's this mm-hmm. spinning fan almost inside the oil and it's mm. churning the oil around so it prevents you from getting the, um, the vapor jacket. You know, you agitate it up and down to prevent mm. the vapor jacket. And he has like an agitator that does that. I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. When, when I worked for Bob, we, we rigged up a thing. It was a, uh, a paint mixer on a yeah. drill. On a hand drill, hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that ran. You know, he had we had like a foot trigger or a switch, and we'd kick it on, and then he would quench blades, and so he didn't have to worry about agitating anything, and so he would, yeah, he would do like two, three blades, actually quench them all at the same time. Yeah, um, that's strong move too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Bob Kramer. I mean, of course, strong move. <laughs> Okay, shall we do um, some dilemmas then? Oh, 
please, please. I mean, you don't have a. You, know, you still haven't gotten a jingle for dilemmas. It's we fine. haven't, did we? That's no. fine. You don't need okay. a dilemma. I may have. I may have something old that would work. <laughs> you um, just get somebody going. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one too. Oh, yeah. for fuck's sake! You get honored to say, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" Oh, for fuck's sake! Another dilemma. Okay. Yeah. These are dilemmas, uh, tough scenarios that you, the listener, have supplied to us. If you follow us on Instagram, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, you can interact with the show. You can send us questions, send us tough dilemmas for us to answer. Um, I got some good ones. This one comes from... This one comes from Kersedge Knives. Kersedge Knives. Kersedge Knives. Hello. Good morning, guys. Here's your dilemma. Um... You've gotten ch- uh, you've gotten chatting you've got chatting with one of our your biggest inspirations. All right, so this is a dilemma. You've been you've got you've become you've gotten chatting with one of the <laughs> your biggest. It's not. I mean, I don't. I'm just saying it the way that yeah. you've gotten chatting with one of your biggest inspirations in knife making, and he's well respected, well known, and makes beautiful knives. You are also now at a good level and well known. You both have a chat and decide to make each other a knife. You do some of your best work, and you send it to him. In return, you get a knife that's not even close to this guy's usual high standards. What do you do, or what do you say, or or would you do nothing? Great show as always, fellas. Keep it up. I love this question. Hmm. I fucking <laughs> love this. This is my type of question. Like, am I gonna go? I you you know you gotta make a real good one because this guy's gonna look under the microscope, yeah. and he sends back some. Bu- he sends you some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> what do you yeah. fucking do? Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure we've all had orders from other knife makers. And when you see that coming in, you're just like, oh, I need to be on my, top of my game with this one, you know? And it, yeah, it's it's always difficult sending out a knife to another knife maker, inspecting everything and just hoping they're going to like it. Um, but I mean, if you've arranged to do, you know, a swap um, and you sent out your best work and what comes to you, you know, isn't their best work. I think you've just got to swallow it, really. You, can't, uh, you know, I... But you curse I, a little bit, right? You you'd curse, it. yeah. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be gutted. You would be gutted because you know you obviously respect them, so you want their best work too. Um, but I, you know, if you're not a paying customer, I don't think there's really much you can do about it. You just need to swallow it and you know be graceful about it. I think. Yeah. What do you think, Barreco? I mean, it sounds like maybe that was more of a one-way relationship than he thought. <laughs> I mean, hmm. I feel like that would be a reflection of. I, I feel like that would be a reflection of, of how that person felt or really cared, like if they cared about what you thought. <laughs> you really make this guy feel like shit now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, like if they, if the, if that other maker gave a shit, he would have fucking gave you some heart, some good work. Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously they didn't. I don't know what to tell you about that, but I don't know. I, 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 I would be cautious. This and, would, we don't know if this actually happened to him. He, I sure. think he just provided us this. Mm. This. I would. This I would situation. have to be, yeah, really cautious in the future. I, I. It's hard to say because you know you you think you you think you know somebody, and then you <laughs> do your best work. You send it to them, and they send you a, a turd. You know, <laughs> like how's that going to make you feel? Yeah, I don't know. I think, but I do think there's not much you can do about it. Yeah. You just said you guys were going to trade knives, so that's what you get, I guess. Yeah. It's it's it goes back to you know you you can't 
you give you do something because you want to do it, not because you're expecting something in exchange. Yes. Can't you cannot do what you sure. can't expect somebody to care as much as you care. Can't do it. No. That is the right way to th- look at it for sure. But I I love this question because I know that I've opened up like what the fuck what the <laughs> fuck is this? Fucking, what is one twenty one twenty scratches on the Corby bolts? What the fuck is this? What the fuck? Uh, all right, the next one comes from Aru Bladeworks. Here's your dilemma, guys. Aru. You, uh, that's right, Aru Bladeworks. Uh, you sell a couple uh, chef knives to an old friend. Oh, this Since... is not going to go well, is it? An <laughs> no, old friend. Is, you know? this, sounds like, this sounds like something that Craig might have gone through already. Since he bought multiples, <laughs> you give him a bit of a break in the price. Shortly thereafter, you find out through the grapevine that he's been selling your knives to chefs in his employ for a bit of a profit. Now your friend is asking you for a couple more knives. Do you call him out saying you know what he's been up to or just be glad for the orders and take his money? I think we know what Craig would do. <laughs> you got no, no. I wouldn't take them. You got to call them out. You, they, you can't have other people profited on your work. You know, if you don't know about it, that's that's just not right. You know, it's not a moral thing to do. Um, but you know, if you're happy with it and you're happy with the price that you're selling to him, maybe have the conversation. And say, look, well, you know, if you want to sell some and take a small cut, you know, all good. But if you're not happy with that, you you got to call them out. Definitely, definitely, yeah. And I think, yeah, old friend. I think that that was key. Old friend, maybe no longer a friend. You know, they want hmm. the family. They want that family discount too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And oh, then they're pushing Jesus. out them. That's not good. <laughs> that yeah. You got to call them out either way. You got to. What do you say? You say, yeah, I know what you're up to. I'm, I'm not. I'm not making you any more nice for you to sell and make a profit. It's 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 not right. Hmm. Well, you know, it's funny enough. That we'll have to talk off air, Craig, but a guy that you and I were slightly involved with did that with one of my knives. Really? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, oh. like, picky, 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 and then he offloaded it for quite a profit. Oh. Oh, Oof. my God. Yeah. I mean, I've had... that. That's always the concern about the custom order list that I got is that I honor the prices I originally quoted people, and time passes, and... I finally get something to them, but prices have changed, but I'm honoring that price. And there's always the chance, and I know it's happened, that somebody pays it, they buy it, maybe they use it, maybe they don't, and they fucking turn around and sell it for profit. Hmm. And But if it was somebody I knew, I'm 100% with Craig. I would have to, I would have words with that person. Yeah. I mean, And I think if they're well, using it, and later down the line, they, they you know, that they, they they offload it, you know, and they do yeah. manage to make a profit. Great. I mean, you know, great. But if they're buying them with the intention of doing that, you know, not using them and selling them as new knives, there's a big issue there, definitely. But at the same time, it's like if you if someone buys your shit, they own it. They can do whatever they want with it. Whether or not their intention was to sell it or not, it doesn't really matter, does it? Well, I mean, you could also – I mean, open... you know, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say it might also bring to your awareness some holes in your your selling, I guess. You know, if somebody can turn a profit, then maybe you're not charging actually enough. Um, hmm. And you can you could actually be selling your work for more. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's more that sort of mistrust thing, really. You know, that, you know they're getting a discount from you, 
and you know they're not they're not being open about saying well if i have a discount i can make a profit they're literally just saying they want these knives and you're giving them a discount but then then go on to sell immediately is yeah it's it's not good it definitely call them out but there is i mean there is i mean obviously in the abs world there are people who snatch up people's knives before they become matt uh, junior uh journeyman smiths because hmm. they know that the price will be higher once they become journeyman smith i know i've talked to a right. few guys who say your the value goes up and people are aware of that and they collect them before you get your knowing that you're you're on track to be master smith and then next thing you know you have it, these pre-master smith knives and then the the value has gone quite up but these aren't friends are they, that you're giving a sort of friend discount to well, surely who's got friends who's really got friends? <laughs> i mean who's got a fucking friend you know <laughs> who needs friends when you got peloton eh <laughs> that's my friend God damn, I love that. Okay, I got some. I got a few more if you want them. Yes, yeah, fire away. Uh, okay, uh, this one's an anonymous one. This was anonymous. Mm. My sales are going better than I ever imagined. I post drops every Sunday of four to six knives. Every week they sell out in under a minute. This is this is Josh Smith. I know. I know. All that. <laughs> uh, last week it was roughly thirty seconds, but a lot of people want some something custom. I've also noticed people leaving and not trying to snag a knife in the drop. It frustrates them getting sniped on the drop, which is understandable. But I hate doing customs. I hate the back-and-forth DMs. I hate the pickiness of the clients. I hate knowing what they're waiting. I hate having that obligation pressure. Uh, should I stick to what I'm doing and make what I want to make and post them from time to time? Uh, for Post them uh, first come, first serve. Or do you try to please everyone and offer a custom and do drops? I I I'd think say... keep keep up what you're doing. Hmm. I mean, I think for a lot of makers, that's the dream is where the guy's at. Make whatever yeah. you want, post it up on Sunday, gone in thirty seconds. That's hard to beat. If somebody wants a custom, especially if you hate customs, nobody's twisting your arm. You don't have to make them. You don't owe it to anybody to do anything, at least with your knife making. Um, and so if you don't want to do it, don't do it. That's it. Sounds like you're doing great with the way you're you're running things. Yeah. 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 If it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. It's, yeah. He's obviously happy with the way he thinks these sales. And, yeah, why change that strategy? If, if, you know, if you can't keep up with the demand now, if demand is greater than what you can make and you're happy with that, you're doing the right thing. You're, you're living the dream. Hmm. And and just put it, you know, if people need feel like, or if you feel like you need to give an explanation, I think it's simple enough to say, you know, I've had bad experiences in the past with custom orders, and right now my business model is working great, and so I'm I'm gonna stick with how I'm doing things. That's it. Hmm. If you, for whatever reason, feel like you have to explain, you also don't need to explain it to anybody. You just say, nope, yeah. this is how I do business. This is how we roll. It is, think, it, it is interesting because, you know, we talk about, like, the different levels of makers and stuff like that in terms of what their goal is. And we've been recently, our my the company, my company has been, you know, we've been talking about the goals and the di direction and the five-year plan and, the, and knowing what's sustainable and what's not sustainable. And are we leaving money on the table? Are we not leaving money on the table? And how do we grow as a business and stuff like that? So it is, I, we do look at all ends and it always comes down to volume 
-hmm. it always comes down to how are we going to increase volume and now we just put out a, a message that if you want to if you want if you're in the hudson valley you want to work at the shop Send your DMs to... Uh, don't send fucking DMs. Don't send your fucking bullshit DMs. <laughs> I got some bullshit DMs from... You know what? I got a message from John Ariani. He says, brace yourself for some bullshit in your DMs. I got bullshit from DMs from John. I got bullshit from the DMs from Josh Scott. I got all the, all these big dummies who are giving me all sorts of fritz in my DMs. But I am hiring. So if you want to... If you're in the Hudson Valley area and you want to work at the shop, uh, I'm with you at faderknives.com is the is the email address i'm with you at faderknives.com and i we want to grow i mean there's this new hire we have is fabulous and she has really kind of just just her being there has she, and and addressing you know emails is she's shook shook the tree and mm. you know now it's like tony and i can really focus on the direction of the business instead of you know how do i sell a send a you know a hoodie to fucking england you know it's like you know, it's been yep. awesome, but I, I, it's, it's the direction that you want to take. One thing I do know is a lot of people do things in this, in this to create a business that they're not used to doing and that they don't like to do it. And it's, there's a, there's a lot of people I meet and talk to who have never worked at a fabrication shop where you get unreasonable clients and you just, you don't have the ability to say, well, fuck you. I don't work that way. Sometimes you got to pay bills, and sometimes yeah, it's like yeah. not the worst thing in the world to take unreasonable situations. Actually, I wanted to, you know, we're having an issue with this casino steak knife I talked about a couple of weeks ago because <laughs> it, we we kind of knew it, and and it's yeah. it might happen, it might not happen, but I mean, it, the everything has changed, and it's like I don't I, now I'm a I was I, I had something a sample, and I was going to send it off to get laser etched, and then all of a sudden it was like. At first, it was like, oh, whatever you and the chef want, we love whatever we trust with the chef and whatever the chef wants. And the chef and I were on in, you know, complete lockstep. And next thing you know, the the powers that be said, oh, we were thinking about something completely different. So it's like, mm. you know, it's oh, just God. this is business. I mean, this is, you know, you sometimes you have to do things that you, you know, out of your control that you might not like. Yeah. And I'd say don't rule anything out. Don't take anything off the table either. So, you know, I'm... I, I'm not doing customs now at the moment because that's miraculous. My business is going well. I'm not doing it now. But it may be a case of, I mean, like, like I've, I just said earlier in the show that I'm going to be doing these one-off Wednesdays. Whereas, you know, for for you know for years, my goal was to have you know products and just keep you know you know five or six products going. Um, but what I do find then is you miss out on that sort of creativity of of making something new. So don't rule anything out for the future. You know, d don't say this is what I do and pigeonhole yourself. You know, just say, you know, at the moment I'm not, but, you know, thank you for the inquiry. And get an email address, you know. Keep hold of that email address. You never know when you might change your mind, and, you know, that could come in handy. The other sure. thing is, is to all you guys out there who say, I want to have stuff on hand. If you go to Barcelona and you walk into Florentine Kitchen Knives, you mm. might not be able to walk out with a knife. They're just so slammed with orders that I don't think that, that Tomer has many things available, you know. Yeah, I don't. And he's going to be on the yeah. Full Blast podcast this coming week, and we're going to talk all about it. Nice. nice. You know, nice. something that just dawns on me. I I real, I don't know why this didn't dawn on me earlier from when the question was or the dilemma was originally posed, but it, these people wanting custom orders from this guy are probably only just wanting something that was dropped, uh, you know, in the newsletter that they just weren't able to get in time. 
So maybe it's a case where he does a quote-unquote custom order, but it's only an exact, you know, replica of something else or along those lines. My guess is that the person just wants something from the the maker. They just haven't Mm -hmm. been able to get it in time or whatever. And maybe that's on them or maybe, you know, they're in a completely different situation where they just they're not available at the time that the the things are dropped and maybe because jeff you do like uh what is your hunting knife i can't remember what it's called right but people yeah so but you know people have the can go on your website right and order that right and then and but then they have very limited options and maybe it's completely limited down to literally you know you got these three colors of handle material to choose from otherwise you don't get to mess with anything else and well it's not maybe that's a way to do customs it's well i'm not saying yours exactly but if for this guy it's but a lot of people it isn't just like i wanted that knife it's just like I wanted that knife, but I'm a Jets fan. <laughs> or my college, my college colors are orange and yellow. You know, that's usually the more majority of the time. Custom orders, custom knives are my favorite color is blue, or you know, sure, sure. my dog's favorite color was green, and it's it's always something goofy like that. And it's usually I did that. You know, the first thing before Tony signed on with me. I did a I did a run of small little camping knives, and I found this orange G10 that I liked, and I'm like, I'm making them all orange. Mm-hmm. And everyone said, I was like, I'm gonna put them up, and you can buy them. And all of a sudden, everyone was just like, I love it, but can you do it in blue? I love it, can you do it in red? <laughs> and it was like, it took me forever to move them because it was just like nobody fucking wanted the orange. And you know, it's one of those things that, you know, it's the I, fun I guess and the, the misery too. So. Sure. I guess the point I'm saying is the, the the knife maker is in the position of power. He gets to make the call as to how, quote unquote, customized he wants to make these knives. And maybe it's as customized as you get to choose between black or white and that's it. Hmm. And maybe that's a way to help, um, you know, satisfy some of those people. But I'm maybe still, it's not. And I'm st- still getting those emails with pictures of people's knives, other people's knives saying, can you make me this? Just fucking still getting those shits. Well, those those time. emails are always going to come in no matter what, and that's because those people are stupid. Yeah, but this guy should just chill out. He's in a very good spot at the moment that a lot of people, you know, would envy. So, chill out, chill out. It's He's all good. All right. He's all good. It's all it's all good. All right. Last <laughs> dilemma. Last dilemma. These dilemmas are pretty good. Um, last dilemma. A customer asks you for a custom eight-inch chef knife, but requests. That it be made with only hand tools. I don't know why, that they're weird. I'm talking fucking hacksaws, files, sandpaper, and they will pay extra for your intense labor. Let's say they'll triple your normal price, but they'll never actually know if you've used power tools or hand tools once it's been finished, (laughs) nor would they question you. So would you cheat and use power tools to get it done faster and easier, or would you take the request to heart and go in, go all in with hand tools? I fucking love this question. That's CN oh. knives. CN knives. Well, if they're never going to know and they're never going to ask questions, <laughs> it sounds like they set themselves up to lose <laughs> right there. <laughs> I don't know why you, why you wouldn't use power tools at that point. <laughs> your honor. Mm. Maybe it's your honor. Yeah. 
Do you want I, to I, see I, your I thought I thought I thought you defending yourself in court then as if this has already happened. Oh. <laughs> Why would I use power power tools, Your Honor? <laughs> <laughs> Exhibit A, my lord. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, I'd probably reply and say, "Well, no, I'll happily make you a knife." Um, but you know, you don't need to know what you know that the whole thing. You don't need to know what goes into a sausage. You don't need to know how it's made as such. Um, but um, I will, yeah. I will, but I would tell them I won't be using power tools. I, I won't be using hand tools. Um, yeah, I think that's what I'd I'm do. Surprised at both of you. I was just. I read this and I was just like, Yeah, hey, I thought fuck we were trying yeah. to be honest. <laughs> I am being honest. I'll be like, fuck yeah, get ready for a fucking forged ass blade. I'm like, you gonna hope you like mill scale, sucker, because I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna fucking forge you up something nice. It's gonna have like hardly any. I'm gonna forge it to profile. I'm gonna forge it. I'm gonna forge in the bevel. I'm gonna forge in the the uh, distal taper. This shit is gonna be forged with an edge. I'm gonna be like, you know, fine. And then I'm gonna use a spoke shave. I'm gonna knock out a Y handle. That'd be great. I, I would totally be into that. Well, you pay me th- triple time. I'm, I have a good time doing it. I'm not going to. Mm. Well, if they're paying, if they're paying, shit. if they're paying by the hour, yes, without a doubt. I love um, it. I'd love to just for, forge a knife and not have to do all that other stuff. Kidding me? Great. <laughs> I love it. Not, not my thing. I know it's fine. I, I, I do. Here's the question. This remind. This is my wonder. So. Craig, when somebody talks to you about your knives, a lot of times you'll have a customer who talks magnanimously about you and what you're doing and stuff like that. When they refer to your knives as being forged, do you correct them? Yes. Yeah, always. Do you get that a lot? Yeah. Um, But I've got this good sort of spiel of, (laughs) I don't knock all the carbon out of the knife. You know? (laughs) You what? I don't knock all the carbon out of the knife. That's right. That's my thing. I say I just use modern principles, and I've actually got it on my website as well about the um, what's the line that I use? Um, just saying that you know it's a bit more of a, a science lab as opposed to a dusty old uh, forge, you know. Um, and I use that as a as a plus as opposed to I just sort of switch it around a bit, I suppose. Um, because you know that there, there are some positives to not forging a knife. Um, so I just I just highlight those. No, but these um, customers want you, want to make sure that they know that that you know that they think maybe you're some sort of like wizard. Like it's always <laughs> something dumb like that. It's just like, oh my! I have to contact my blacksmith to make my knife. It's like, relax, Junior. Yeah, I basically just say no. I, I use sort of modern ways of doing it, and I've got you know it's more sort of high tech than that these days, and just leave it at that. You know, a lot of them just, yeah. but they also you could tell them, and they still don't understand. Their, their eyes yeah. glaze over. They're like, okay, whatever, blacksmith, <laughs> make me some more yeah. shoes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Okay, what else have we got? You said we had a dilemmas. We also had what was it? Uh, I have old listener feedback, and that's it. Okay, let's, let's do that. Let's do, do that. Listener then. feedback. This one comes from. Uh, this is listener feedback that you have. This is from a while ago, so it might not make sense. It's fine. Uh, Burke Burke Metalwork says uh, Craig's actually a damn good singer, and I enjoyed the after show. That was I had to have that in because you did uh, an episode a number of weeks ago where you had your band play. I would I would like it if you put. I think that the listeners would like it if you put in more of your band playing. Mm, maybe one day, maybe. Maybe. We got any gigs coming up? Um, not until second. I think it's the end of the first week of no, the first weekend in November. Mm. Um, so yeah, 
So you guys getting yeah. paid? Yes, Look yeah, we did for the last one too. So uh, yeah, we weren't expecting to be, uh, but they come over with a, with a, with a wad of cash at the end. And we're like, oh, cool. Look at you. So professional musicians yeah, now, you know. Of course, of course. <laughs> wow. of course. Uh, yeah, but uh, actually, we had re- we had a rehearsal this week, and um, we were discussing. So we'd imagine there's there's going to be quite a few shows booked up now because you know Christmas has come in, and you know people you know book stuff for events for christmas yeah. all that kind of stuff um so we're gonna learn a few christmas songs and do sort of rock versions of christmas songs which which is gonna be quite cool so like what we're trying to work that out this week what do you what um well you know rocking around the christmas tree but you know a, a sort of harder rock version um a How rock about... version of of wham last christmas as oh, well that's a good one. Good. one good that's a good one yeah so, so it's, it's, it's gonna be cool it's how about do they cool. know it's christmas time at all that's song. oh you don't like that one yeah yeah, it's, it's a little bit. There's no, you don't want to be thinking of starving kids over Christmas, oh, do you? So, oh, <laughs> no, I mean, much as... <laughs> sorry, I, I didn't realize that that was what that was about. I thought it was, I just thought it was a fucking jingly Christmas song. I don't know. Listen to the lyrics. Uh, Christ, uh, feed the world is the uh, is the main sort of refrain <laughs> I don't in the know. song. I don't, Come on, it's got a good hook. I don't remember what me the... my big fat belly singing <laughs> feed the world. Nobody needs to hear that. <laughs> Uh, Going all Bono on everybody. No way. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> all right. Our next listener feedback comes from Lawrence Britton. Do you guys remember Lawrence Britton? He yeah. is our only listener who was in the Olympics. He was an Olympic rowist. Ah, the silver rower. medalist yes. from South Africa. Good dude. We beat the- <laughs> You're backtracking now because you ripped into him at the time. I think I, I beat the living shit out of him on one <laughs> podcast, but I apologize afterwards. He's a good dude. Hey, Jeff and the team. So great to be back listening to the show. I was training and traveling, so I fell behind in the podcast. We had an awesome season, then a nightmare at the Olympics. Funny how sports work like that. Oh, he had to he had to drop it in, didn't he? I didn't. I mean, oh, we're with we're with Lawrence. We're on Team uh, South Africa, whatever team. But he's, he's on. a vegan too, and he's got. How do you know if he's a vegan? I bet. I don't know if he's a vegan. Come on, man. Uh, funny how sports work like that. Anyway, uh, it had been an am- it had been amazing to get back in the workshop and just catching up on your episodes. You guys are awesome to listen to. And it's really helped my mental state. And the advice on the Zencaster came in time. It was a game changer. So I guess we 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 might have we might have uh, given him one two about it, the sound of his volume, whatever is uh, whatever. Uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> ben Kamen, Kamen Knives uh, sends, who was on the cover of Blade magazine, the last episode of Blade magazine, came in mind. Awesome. He makes those. If you know, you know what he makes those forge knives. And then he has like this mechanical fastening on the bolster and and the butt mm. of the handle. Have you seen those before? Right. Yep. They look so cool. You know what I'm talking about, Craig? No. K A K A M O N. His knives are just striking, and he has these like countersunk holes in the in the bolster and these like screws, and they look so beautiful. They're just awesome. Yeah, so he and yeah, cover on the cover of Blade magazine. Uh, catching up with the episodes after uh, your and my vacation. So stop hating my two side makers. Uh, oh, we he had written about somebody said, uh, how do you feel about hot stamping both sides? And he said, stop hating on two sided maker marks, guys. Mine's hot stamped on both sides. Why? Wrong question. Why not? Correct question. That can't, uh, that can't uh, <laughs> that I can't answer because actually it's hard to do from a craftsman perspective. As you can't just simply stamp one side and then the other by hand, you just press uh, out the first side that you've stamped. So I 
made a dedicated jig with two stamp pressing them simultaneously, also to me and has the advantage of advertising the visual, visual POV. Just wanted to educate you guys on some stuff. No one's perfect. You can take that as a hot take, and you can bring it up again. Enjoying listening to you guys again. So that was that. Oh, here's a good one from... Um, Fair enough. We were talking... This, this is a way back when. This is from Francesco Mucci. This was when we were talking about... When we had Quentin Middleton on a few months ago, and he was mm-hmm. talking about the ABS and why he decided he didn't want to be in the ABS, and he just... Francesco wrote a really interesting thing for us about the ABS. And he goes, hi, guys. Uh, I have some thoughts about the ABS, JS, and MS testing. I was listening to the episode with the great Quentin Middleton, and I heard a few comments about judging of the tests. Seems like there's a common misconception that the judging is made looking at the style of knives besides the technique used to build them. Having gone through the test myself, I can tell you that the listeners and the judges couldn't care less about the kind of knives you make or your stylistic choices. They judge the cleanliness and the precision of the pieces, and as long as you've met the parameters. They encourage you to make at least two knives over six inches, but that's not a requirement. Also, full tangs are permitted. In case of a ma- uh, in case of um, MS, a master bladesmith, they allow no more than two folders, and they require one Damascus Quillion dagger. Uh, besides that, it's up to you and your creativity as long as your technique is impeccable. They don't look at the stylistic choices. I hope this is uh, to help those who are undecided. The judges are extremely kind, offering all sorts of advice on how to be better myself in the craft. After passing the test, I would definitely suggest it, not to mention the opportunity to meet so many talented makers, exchanging opinions and tips. Thank you and sorry for the long-winded DM. Mm. So, there you go. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. We've we've still got a bunch of questions in the notes. Yeah, so um, Jeff, do you want to tell us about uh, Broadbeck and their current deals? And and whilst doing that, myself and Morocco look through the notes and just we'll just pick out a question each and we'll finish on them. All right. Well, listen, guys, go get yourself a Broadbeck Ironworks grinder, two by seventy two grinder. It's awesome. I love it. And I've been talking to some other makers who are just in love with their grinders. I had a lot of conversations with Ryan and, and Vince, and they're very smart. They're very forward-thinking, and they're making attachments that are very approachable, even if you don't have a broadback chassis. Uh, the Mareco D-Platin is awesome. I was using it half an hour before I was here in the recording this episode. I love it. I love everything about it. And if you go to broadbackironworks.com, put in promo code KNIFETALK, you can do the upgrade to the Mareco Platinum. I would highly, highly, highly suggest it. I would highly suggest all their platins. Uh, they're very reasonably priced. They should be uh, able to be used in a lot of different kinds of grinders. You can take a look and see what your type is, and I'm sure that you can make it retrofitted um, very simply. And uh, I was told that they will be advertising for a Black Friday sale coming up. So not yet, uh, but hopefully next week or so, there will be a Black Friday sale coming up we can start to talk about. So get yourself that Broadback Ironworks uh, 2x72 grinder at broadbackironworks.com and uh, give them hell. Cool. Cool. Okay, I'll take another question then. From uh, This is from Maximus Knives, um, and it's just a question for Craig. Um, I see a lot of hemp wood scales, and they look like shredded fibers. It looks great, but is it, is it an oily wood or any concerns about stabilization? 
So um, I mentioned this a while back, how I had some some made for me um, from a specialist company who who does this kind of thing. Um, and I've, I've been testing it all this time. So I've made a couple of knives and I use them and then I put them out in the rain and all the rest of the stuff. Um, so I haven't really got back to it yet, but they, they've had certainly held up. Um, but what I'd say is um, with with any sort of thing where you're taking fibers and stabilizing it and, and all that kind of thing, it's going to be down to how it's prepared. So this particular company that I was using, um, they're using a, a, a press, which is also actually in a vacuum as well. So just like when you're stabilizing, you want to suck all that air out of, of whatever you're doing. They're doing that, but they're actually using a, a press as well of like, you know, extremely high pressure. So nothing that I'd be able to replicate here. Um, which is what, which is why I sort of farmed it out, um, and you get these like completely solid, solid blocks. So anything, you know, you see lots of people making stuff and putting them in resins and all that kind of thing, but um, they're only as good as the holding power of the resin. Then, unless you're giving it a really, really good, either a high, high vacuum to get every, everything out, you know, all the air out, or you're putting under extreme pressure, so you're squeezing any, any, any of the air, out, and you're squeezing the fibers together. So. Uh, with anything, not just with hemp wood, but with anything that you're stabilising. I'm saying if, if if you can't do a good job, um, it's giving you some sort of like false insurance, really. You know, to say, oh, it's stabilised, you know, that doesn't really mean much because there's so many different ways you can stabilise and so many you know degrees of stabilisation, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, with these particular ones, I, I farmed out and I've had them specially made for me and I've got some, some big sort of... Um, plates now of this stuff so i can just cut up and use as, as i please um but yeah i've been testing it for probably over six months now actually um and they've gone through dishwashers probably dozens of times now they've been left out in the rain left out in the sun um and they're still as good as the day they were made so yeah these these particular ones are good but i said only because i farmed that out i, I couldn't have replicated that myself ah Morocco, any questions there that you fancy yeah um, i got one a swing at all right, this one's from John Kuhn. He says, hey, cuties, uh, can I ask you a question? When constructing WAS-style handles for kitchen knives, a common way to prepare the tang slot is by drilling uh, a hole into the handle material and adding a slotted dowel to accept the tang. This seems like a pretty smart way to do uh, to go as you avoid drilling multiple holes and having to broach out the inside, uh, which is a lot more work. But I have never seen anyone use that method for Western style handles before. Is there a reason to not use a slotted dowel here and, uh, that I'm not seeing? Thanks for the entertainment in the shop, Jonathan. Uh, are you guys familiar with that handle construction technique? Yes. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so basically you blast like a half inch hole into your handle material, um, and then you get half inch dowel that fits inside that half inch hole. And and you cut a little slot on it, and and that way you don't have to broach anything like he was saying. Uh, and and it basically fits up perfectly. Or if you have like a spacer at the top, then instead of doing all the broaching and everything, maybe you're just doing a little touch up to to make that spacer at the top um, of the handle fit nicely around the tang and the shoulders of the of the blade. Um, I've I don't know like I don't know why it wouldn't be. 
uh, a, a good reason. Actually, I, my friend Peter Swarsbert does this style for both his wa or Japanese style handles and his Western style handles um, for the same logical reason. There's no reason that it wouldn't work for the Western style. You just, I, I feel like I don't see it. Uh, Peter's the only one I, person I, I really know of doing that, but there's nothing wrong with that. It's a perfectly acceptable way to put a handle on. So I would say go for it. What do you guys there's think? A- there's a lot of guys who will leave those dowels exposed. I've and seen that, and I don't know how. I don't feel. I don't like that. <laughs> like you know, I thing. did it once. I used G10 dowels, so the okay. dowel was like a specific color. Like I liked I making sure. it, making it a part of the design. But yeah, like, I, think that's I don't. Yeah, I mean, when I do it, I do use it. I usually have it. You don't. You wouldn't see it. I don't. I really. I mean, it, I like the idea of if, if you see something, it's for a reason. Like I'm very it should like, be intentional. And so, yeah. So I usually I'll have the the feral will be separate, and then I'll the it'll slide all together, and then you will never see those dowels. They're just embedded. But I don't imagine. I mean, if you want to do it, go ahead. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, you know what? Okay. I just had an idea. I, I've never seen this, but I could see somebody doing the slotted dowel, but making the dowel uh, short of the top of the handle material, and then say it's like like a dark walnut handle. Then complementing that or contrasting that with like a blonde birch or maple curly maple, and drilling a plug, splitting that, and using that for the top portion. So you have this, you have beautiful wood all around instead of just your dowel wood. Does that make sense? There you go. Mm-hmm. I I actually did one where the dowel was proud of the end by like half an inch, and then I, I domed them over, so it was like stuck out a little bit farther. And actually, I think the Tomer's first knives had a lot of the intentional plugs and stuff like that, kind of mm. sticking out like that. I'm sure. Know, I'm talk to him about that, but I always think that I always think like having it proud, almost like coming out of those holes like if you have a nice fit coming out and being part of the design yeah yeah makes sense there's a last minute dilemma guys go for it this comes from Ben Snoor Ben Snoor sent a last (laughs) minute dilemma if and when do you ever insure a package you're mailing out so do you guys insure the packages that you're you're shipping yes yeah Um, but uh, but quite often I'm being asked not to by people who may be savvy with import taxes. Um, sure. Because if you import, you need to state the um, the retail cost. Um, sorry, if you're insure, you need to you need to state the retail cost. But if you're importing, obviously the tax is based on that import on that retail cost as well. Um, so I've had people come to me and say, "Well, look, can we just say that it costs you know a far less for when it comes to shipping." And if that's the case, that's how much it's going to be insured for too. So there's always that little sort of caveat, I suppose. Um, but yeah, generally, I, yeah, everything now is is yeah is insured because it's 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 pennies. It's not much. Yeah, yeah. I I insure basically everything, especially within the United States, um, because of the lack of import taxes and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I have had that as well for international shipments i've even had people ask to have zero insurance and so if somebody if you're having those discussions you you have to 
you know, you want to get it documented, especially if the person is, is opting out of the insurance so that they don't try to come back to you and say, ah, you got to replace this thing that got lost or got damaged. Um, and so I, I just make sure I always get that in email to make sure. Isn't it hard to get your insurance claim from the post office? Isn't there like a lot of like, Oh, like there's tons of, of bureaucracy and all kinds mm-hmm. of bullshit that, you know, yeah. are designed to make it really hard. But I've I've been reimbursed for think, damaged things before, for sure. Really? Um, th- through FedEx, yeah. Um, but fortunately, I haven't had that. That's the only shipping issue I've ever had, and I was reimbursed for it. Mm. Yeah, you I've know, been reimbursed for stuff in the past, but it, it can take literally months and months. Um, but yeah, eventually it will come to you. But yeah, but it. Yeah, it it doesn't cost much at all to insure, you know, um, the for shipping. I made a knife for Henry Golden. Golding. Ah, this is the one that got I've lost in his. Uh, you yes. have. You're kidding, right? I told this story, and he 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 it got lost. It got lost in his building, and mm-hmm. if I had insured it, the insurance the post office would said we dropped it off. It's it was out of our hands. Yeah, unless you the do, address. Unless yeah. you do like a signature, authorized signature, mm-hmm. you know, I would never have gotten a claim. Yeah, some dude. Just and and it. to be honest, it is it is bullshit because I mean I often get stuff delivered here that I need to sign for, and you know half the time I've got like a baby in my hand or like a dog that I'm trying to prize away from the postman, you know. So I'm literally just you know, scribbling on this thing, you know, <laughs> and it's like that that's not my signature. And right. and even now, especially the, the, within the last couple of years, the, the, the post guy now, he doesn't even get out of his van. He just stops outside the house and beeps. And you've got to go out and you've got to up to his driver's door, you know, and he'll just throw a package at you. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Postage is, is, is fucking mental. But, uh... Uh, that reminds me of... Uh, <laughs> did you... Uh, I don't know if Craig's ever seen this, but Jeff, you ever see F- Funny Farm with Chevy Chase? I remember the. I remember it, but I don't remember the, the uh, movie. But a, I remember, well, anyway, I remember. The, this writer moves from the city into the country, and there's a his mail delivery guy is a fucking psychopath, and he never puts <laughs> the mail in the mailbox. He just goes because it's like the end of his shift, or it's like the last place, and they live down this ridiculously long dead end road. And so the time, the time the mailman gets down there, he just throws the mail out the window with this evil, maniacal laugh <laughs> as he drives away, you know? That just uh, and I, I'm too young for that film, any Chevy Chase yeah, film, I'm sure. Too young. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, I actually remember watching one of my uh, the mail postal carriers in my neighborhood do a fake fall off of my neighbor's <laughs> stairs. Really? It was a fake-ass <laughs> fall, and oh, it was man. like they took the mail, and they threw it up in the air, and then laid down on the ground as if they, oh, they, oh my back, oh, my. And they, they, uh, it was a totally fake fall, and I was like, I just happened to be there. And I was like, yeah. don't go over there. That's some fake shit right there. And it was like, and I, we don't know what happened. I told my neighbors when they got home, I'm like, I saw the postman, like, do a fake fall off your staircase just be prepared and it was, nothing ever happened <laughs> oh but it was like the fakest fall i'd ever seen in my life i mean and they oh, was they really geez. sold it it was like this big fat person who cares honestly but i think it, they go on to be baggage handlers at airports i but think the, once they've had enough of doing the post they then go on to just picking up your luggage and just throwing the shit out the, of that instead the best part is the, whatever 
ma- mail was in this person's hand, they just flung it in the air. I was like, whoa! <laughs> they flung it in the air and boom, pow, right on the ground. Whoa. Ugh. Don't trust right. them, motherfuckers. That's the show. What what we up to this week? Jeff. <laughs> Jeff the is dream for the week. Jeff, what's the what's the big dream? Jeff is ahead, and I'm hoping to get a couple days grinding this batch for Christmas. I'm going to try to be ahead of our orders so I can do a nice load for Christmas, December first. We're expecting to have a newsletter out, and um, we'll figure something out. So I'm excited about that, and. What are these? Are these special knives? Are they? It's, are they chef knives? I'm gonna what, do. What? I'm gonna do a set of eight-inch chef knives with uh, Color Lab as a uh, with an with an homage to my original Color uh, Signature series, and these will be to have the signature on them too. So they'll be a little bit different. I'm excited about them because it's you know I'm I'm just I'm in a good mood. I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm working hard. And I'm feeling good and pushing myself, and I'm good. Cool. Hard work. Cool. Okay, I'll do mine and we'll finish with Morocco's then for the show. Um, I'm hoping for a trouble-free flight tomorrow um, and um, just a, a good week. Um, I'm away from from any work, really, um, so I can't really do any work for the week. Um, so I just need to um, embrace it, embrace it. I think um, I think I'll probably you know learn a new, few new songs and like that during the week. Um, but yeah, enjoy it, enjoy it. See family, see friends, and maybe get a bit sort of in the festive spirit, I suppose, because we won't be going back before Christmas. Um, so yeah, make the most of it because when we get back, um, things are pretty tight with a lot of stuff that needs to be done with regards to work the house when we get back that we've got four weeks left in this house um and we've got a lot of shit to move um you know to move over and still a lot of work to be done um in in the new house as well so yeah this is going to be the last week of um you know i won't say taking it easy but um before the big stress is hit i suppose so yeah i'm gonna make the most of that M. Dizzy, what's going on for the week? <laughs> well, up in the hizzy. Uh, so, yeah, this week I, I got a knife mailed out this week or sold this week. So I'm getting that out the door on the next, probably in the next couple of days, either Saturday or Monday. Uh, I got a couple more knives coming down the chute. Uh, they're super close. I'm forging on some fun new experimental Damascus stuff. Um, more than anything right now, what I'm looking forward to is not feeling, uh, so sore and a little bit hungover. I went, something I forgot to mention earlier, I went razor clamming, digging last night. Um, ah, cool. and razor clams get up to like five or six inches, big old, big old guys. Um, but is this when I, you put salt in the hole in the sand and they, they pop up? Mm, I don't know. Maybe that's gooey oh, ducks. Right. I don't know. Um, that's how I've seen razor clams being done anyway. You, you, interesting. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Um, but, yeah, I'm feeling a little run down and beat up and tired. I, I uh, ended up getting to bed at, like, one thirty this morning. So Oof. I apologize to everybody if I'm dragging ass a little bit. <laughs> uh, but that's, yeah, simple stuff. We're going cool. pumpkin cool. picking, too, actually, this weekend. 
So it'll be fun to do some oh, pumpkin yes. carving. Halloween is coming. TV is full of all Halloween <laughs> stuff. Ooh. Right. Thank you all for listening. And um, we shall speak to you all next week. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. So, Alec Baldwin, what's well, going on? Wait, Let's get straight we into get this. Alec, <laughs> before we get into Alec Baldwin, are you going to be able to record next week? Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm taking a laptop, so I won't have the, you know, the full kit with me, but um, I'll have a mic, headphones, and laptop, so I'll be good, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, Alec Baldwin, I'm going to tell you why this is fascinating. And I actually, I ended up, <laughs> was texting with Jesse Ueda, who she and I have Alec Baldwin talk, apparently, because we're obsessed with him and his, her, his wacky wife. So Alec is, he, I mean, you, some of you have probably heard of him. He's an actor from Long Island. He's from Long Island, New York, and he's had major uh, successes even at a young age. He was this handsome guy, married to Kim Bassinger. But he's had these huge, giant swings of good fortune and bad fortune. Like, it's yeah. always not a huge surprise. Like... He was a really big, he had a big cocaine problem, and that got him in a lot of problems, and then he got into big movies, and then he got a divorce from his wife that was very ugly, and then he had big movies, and then he left this horrendous voicemail message for his daughter. I don't know if you've ever heard it. It is one of the greatest voicemail messages. I'm going to try to dig it up, because it is Ah. one of the great voicemail messages of all time, and what you should never say to your daughter. Um, Oh, wow. And then wow. is is he related or is there any sort of relationship with Charlie Sheen? No, that that's Emilio <laughs> Estevez. Ah, right. I, I get the feeling that they're, they're, they're the same people. Well, you know, there's, there's a lot of similarities there. There are a lot. Of, I mean, these brother families. I mean, he's got these four wacko brothers, and mm, one of yeah. them is like you know totally crazy. But so he has these highs and lows, and like he got into a huge fight with a paparazzi, and he said all these horrible things that everyone saw, you know and then he's also this he's he per, he portrays himself as this you know you know this broadway you know this shakespearean <laughs> actor but he's like a fucking dude he's like he can also do the fucking thing from long island you know he's like <laughs> you're looking at me yeah sir. exactly he can kind of go both ways and then <laughs> he has this incredible success on 30 rock and then he has these terrible you know, interactions with the paparazzi and punching people out or getting arrested or DUI or whatever. Then he gets, you know, he does Trump on Saturday Night Live and whatever you like it or not. I mean, he got him, you know, more famous and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, turns out his wife, who's been telling everyone she's Spanish, turns out she's from Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out she's from Boston. And he was even on all these shows on my wife. He's on Howard Stern. He's on David Letter or uh, Jimmy Kimmel or one of these guys saying, oh, my wife, you know, she's Spanish. It turns out she's not Spanish at all. She's like from fucking Boston. So that was this weird thing. And then now, this is tragic, but I mean, this morning my wife, my wife is my, is the perfect gasping reporter at 4.30 in the morning. She'll be like, you'll never hear, believe what happened. Alec Baldwin shot someone. And I'm like, what? So he was on the set of a film where he plays uh, a, gr- a father or grandfather, and he's helping hide his son or this kid who, you know, he- he accidentally killed somebody. So I guess he was using a prop gun, and he shot it. And we don't know if exactly exactly the details, but 
the whatever was in that gun killed the director of cinematography and then injured another director like killed someone so he's on this fucking set playing with these toy guns they're supposed to be like blanks and then he killed someone with these this with this fake gun it's crazy crazy yeah it's crazy. crazy. I've, He's I've like, got the I've got the voicemail to his daughter here. Shall I play it? Please I play it. it. Please play it. This, oh, we'll let's do a live reaction. That's let what the kids are into these days. I'm going to set it up. He, so he and Kim Bassinger are divorced, and. Um, he's having a real hard time organizing his time with his daughter, who's a teen, a young girl, 13, 12, 13, or something like that. Go ahead. Hmm, okay. Hey, I want to tell you something, okay? And I want to leave a message for you right now, because again, it's 10.30 here in New York on a Wednesday, and once again, I've made an ass of myself trying to get to a phone to call you at a specific time. When the time comes for me to make the phone call, I stop whatever I'm doing, and I go and I make that phone call at 11 o'clock in the morning in New York, and if you don't pick up the phone, at 10 o'clock at night, and you don't even have that goddamn phone turned on. I want you to know something, okay? I'm tired of playing this game with you. I'm leaving this message with you to tell you, you have insulted me for the last time. You have insulted me. You don't have the brains or the decency as a human being. I don't give a damn that you're 12 years old or 11 years old or that you're a child or that your mother is a thoughtless pain in the ass who doesn't care about what you do as far as I'm concerned. You have humiliated me for the last time with this phone. And when I come out there next week, I'm going to fly out there for the day just to straighten you out. On this issue, I'm going to let you know just how disappointed in you I am and how angry I am with you that you've done this to me again. You've made me feel like shit and you've made me feel like a fool over and over and over again. And this crap you pull on me with this goddamn phone situation that you would never dream of doing to your mother and you do it to me constantly and over and over again. I am going to get on a plane, and I'm going to come out there for the day, and I'm going to straighten your ass out when I see you. Do you understand me? I'm going to really make sure you get it. Then I'm going to get on a plane, I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to come home. So you better be ready Friday, the 20th, to meet with me. So I'm going to let you know just how I feel about what a rude little pig you really are. You are a rude, thoughtless little pig, okay? God, Jesus Christ. She was 11. (laughs) Or or 12. He he wasn't really sure. (laughs) He didn't know. (laughs) And the Oscar goes to Alec Baldwin. That is the greatest performance he ever did. Boy, does that sound like somebody uh, really projecting some fucking parental issues from their own upbringing? What the fuck? So Kim released that to the press, or his daughter did. And it was like all over. I remember I remember listening to that when it first came out. I was like, I don't think he's ever been in a in a movie where he had lines better than this. I don't I mean <laughs> like this is the best fucking line he ever came. I mean, how do you talk to a kid like that? I love that you've Jesus made an ass. I, an ass of myself. I I mean that is I mean he's he's crazy. He's totally but it's like his 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 whole his whole life has been this like Greek tragedy. It's totally yeah. crazy, and this is the giant crescendo. 
And you know, before hearing that, I I, I liked him. I, I listened to his podcast. Yeah. I think it's like super chill. And you're right. He, he comes over. He tries to come across yeah. as this big thespian kind yeah. of thing. But you know, he's got stories, and that's what you want to hear. You know. But um, wow, what it's, an absolute prick! This is what it's. This is what he sounds yeah. like. I wish we could do more of it. I mean, if you're gonna play, if you're gonna play some audio, I might as well play fucking Mel Gibson fucking voicemail messages because those are good too. But if you Let's listen to, if you listen to Alec Baldwin, he does the podcast. This is the thing on NPR. He goes this week. On this is the thing we will be talking to New Yorker writer Phil Rush, uh, you know Rudnick about you know it's just like all of a sudden he's like Mister you know Ninety Seventh Street Y and he but he's a fucking garbage human being from fucking Long Island, you know it's wow. he's I mean that that is the greatest voicemail message of all time. That's gnarly. Well, we've just had a message in from Mel. Oh, this, this is goddamn, this is great. Best after. Sh- you look like a fucking bitch on heat. You can't even listen yeah, to that shit. Yeah, he's bad. I had to beep that. He gets <laughs> fucking... He's cra- I mean, you want to talk crazy. Jesus. Voicemail... What's wrong with people? Dude, Jesus I don't know Christ. why these people leave voicemail messages like this, but because it, it's just like... Full oh. of hate. There you go. Unbelievable. Voicemail messages. Well, that... that- <laughs> The show has changed into something else. If you're oh. a celebrity with a beef, please drop us a message. I got, a good, I got, I got my favorite. I got a voicemail message that I got a voicemail message that I want to play. This is my favorite voicemail message. Yep, this is Ben Snurr. Just want to call, say thank you, and tell you that you're the fucking man. Uh, old Spencer got a hold of me. Even Heaton, they're gonna send me an oven, and I. That's my favorite voicemail message of all. I keep that shit. Nice. This has been well, we're, gonna finish, we're gonna finish on one more um, clip from YouTube that I found. I sent from planet Gyron to conquer the earth. I had a terrific plan. I thought it would work. Tried to get the earth rings all to kill each other, you see. But it all went wrong, and now I must decree. You are worthless, Alec Bowen. You are worthless, Alec Bowen. You failed in every way, and now my stock in you has fallen. Your career is dying, and you're worthless, Alec Bowen. That's why I blew your head off, and your children are all boring. Jesus. Who is that? Planet Giron is inhabited is with iPods like me. But also with Balmax, who America. are giant bees. The Zypods and the Balmax are at constant war. So we wanted a new home, and that's what Earth was for. But you are worthless, Alec Bowen. You are worthless, Alec Bowen. You fucked up my whole plan, and now Giron is smeared with Balmax pollen. Your garbage needs some hoeing, and you're worthless, Alec Bowen. Now I must return home a failure. I'm afraid the pit of cry rock is calling. Is that supposed to be Kim Jong-un? I think it was, yeah, from Team America, yeah. What? Okay. All jokes aside, it is very sad for the family of, oh, of, the, of the director of photography and stuff like that. But, I mean, yeah. you can't make it up. Hell of a story. You can't make it up without Alec Baldwin. <laughs> you can't make it up. That's no surprises ever. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.